If you're not unlocking the full value of your SaaS, what are you doing? There is no denying it. SaaS is mission critical to your company's growth and success. And as the number two operating expense for most organizations, it's your biggest opportunity to save money and drive efficiency. The time is now to do something about it. Please take this as your personal invitation to join me and your fellow IT, SAM, finance, and procurement leaders at SASME on May 16th, 2023. SASME is the industry's only dedicated SaaS management event where you can sharpen your skills, hear from your peers, and learn how to unlock value and responsible business growth through smarter SaaS management. It's virtual, it's free, and it's going to knock your socks off. Register today at sasme.com. That's S-A-A-S me.com. It's time to get your sassing gear. Are you with me? Hello, hello, and welcome to Sass Me Unfiltered, the SaaS management podcast. The show with give it to you straight, real life advice from pros knee deep in SaaS every single day. SaaS management superheroes just like you. Welcome everyone to another episode of SaaS Me Unfiltered. I'm Corey Wheeler, co-founder and chief customer officer here at Zylo. We are very excited for everyone that's joined us today on this special episode. But before we jump in, I want to take a quick moment and introduce someone that I'm incredibly honored to welcome to the SaaS Me Unfiltered podcast. And she's going to be here for a little while. She spent a career building and defining innovative new market technologies. In fact, she spent the last year plus shaping the SaaS management market at the most opportunistic time period imaginable. She's a powerhouse chief marketing officer and my favorite NC State Wolfpack alum. Welcome to our our new co-host of SaaS Me Unfiltered, Meredith Albertson, the CMO here at Zylo. Welcome, Meredith. Hey everybody, um, Corey! Wow, thank you, <laughs> thank you for the very, very um, just kind welcome. I am so, so excited to be here. For those of you who are here with us today, I've actually been a part of the team behind the scenes of the podcast for the past year, and I'm so, so thrilled to be jumping in front of the mic for season three with Corey. As Corey mentioned, I lead marketing here at Zylo. Staying very close to the market is so, so important to us, and we want to understand what companies need to solve for what's changing in the market, and where does SaaS management need to go next? Part of my day-to-day is connecting with our customers, analysts, and other leaders in and around the space. So I'm looking forward to bringing some of that perspective to the show. But enough about me. That is absolutely not why we're here today. Uh, Corey, let's get started. Okay. Thanks a lot, Mayor. Uh, for those of you not familiar with Sass Me Unfiltered, thanks for tuning in. Uh, I hope to see you on future podcasts. Uh, it's our bi-weekly podcast with real-life advice from the ITAM, uh, IT, software asset management, finance, and procurement pros that are knee-deep in SaaS management every single day. We've had really incredible guests on the show, uh, industry luminaries and companies uh, like Netflix, Atlassian, Grubhub, Salesforce, and, and many more beyond that. Yeah, there are some great stories, tons of practical advice, and plenty of oh shit moments the past two seasons. So we invite all of you to go back and please check out our past episodes. Now, before we introduce our guests, I want to take a moment, Corey, let's talk a little bit about today's topic. 
I have to admit, it is one of my favorite times of the year. It's not the holidays, and it's not my birthday, but it is the release of Zylo's 2023 SaaS Management Index Report. Now, since being founded, Zylo has assessed and collected an unprecedented amount of SaaS application and spend data. This unique data set is based on six years of SaaS spend, SaaS licenses, and usage data. So that means 30 million SaaS licenses, a trillion in spend, and over 30 billion in SaaS spend identified and categorized. Now, we leverage this data set to deliver key insights and trends in our annual SaaS management index report. It's the industry's foremost report on spend and trends in the world of SaaS. All right. Well, I, I, I don't. If that doesn't get you excited, I really don't know what's going to. Uh, I am completely excited to jump into this. So, with that, um, we're again excited to be doing our second ever live SaaS Me Unfiltered right now. Uh, we're recording this as well, and we're going to talk through SMI highlights and insights from the foremost expert in the space. And it's another guest that I'm very excited to introduce. Uh, I, I said the foremost expert. Well, in fact. Uh, this person built the very first iteration of SaaS management technology ever in the industry. I, I'd call that an expert. Uh, he was looking to solve the SaaS management problem six to seven years ago from, from a little bit of a, a unique perspective from the provider side. Uh, he was building products for Salesforce and thought, how do my users understand what they're utilizing? But then how do I, as a product owner, understand my users and their usage as well, which is a really unique take on this. I've been lucky to work side by side with my co-founder and chief business development officer here at Zylo, the one and only Ben Pippinger. Welcome to Sass Me Unfiltered, Pip. Well, I think I have to say I'm excited because I feel like everyone's really excited. That's right. Uh, and I, I am. I'm very excited to be here. So thanks. Uh, thank you, Corey and Meredith, for having me on. I uh, definitely a longtime listener, first time caller situation here. Um, <laughs> so I'm definitely pumped to be here on, on Sass Me Unfiltered to talk about uh, our SaaS management index report. Um, you know, when I think about that, it's it's just such a valuable report that can really help companies understand first and foremost that they aren't alone uh, and feeling like that their SaaS has gotten out of control, but can also help guide organizations toward a more healthy state uh, where they are really unlocking the value and the business impact that SaaS can have. So I'm pumped to to dive in. So let's do it. All right. Well, so. Before, you know, SaaS was already on a steady growth trajectory. Then we all know the pandemic hit and that put all companies, all businesses, including us, into overdrive. Businesses were buying SaaS left and right. They had to transform overnight into virtual workplaces. Now, the aftermath of this this growth at all costs approach was too many applications, huge spend, and just a lack of visibility into everything that had been purchased across the business. So Ben, right now, what high level trends are we seeing within uh, within businesses today in regards to SaaS growth and buying habits? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think a great place to start here, uh, Mayor. And, w- and when, we, when we look at that, I mean, we, we look a lot of times to sort of third-party analyst uh, perspectives on, on what they see going on in the space. Um, so I have two to share today. First uh, is from Gartner. Um, so Gartner is forecasting that worldwide IT spend, they do this quarterly, they look at d- a couple different categories and they forecast out what worldwide spend will look like on a quarterly base- uh, basis. Um, and their Q1 report, which came out in January, they're forecasting software spend to grow at about 9.3%. Uh, 
um, which you know is significant when you think about the, the the dollars that are that are being spent on software, and also significant because it's the fastest growing category that they're tracking in that in that report. Um, and then on top of that, when they're looking at SaaS specifically inside of inside of that category of software, um, they're projecting a 15 to 20 percent growth every year through 2026. Um, so the the growth is continuing to happen and continue continuing to accelerate. So. Um, on top of that ever-growing spend related to SaaS and software, um, software continues to take up a larger percentage of the overall tech spend. Forrester is predicting that software will grow to 42% of total tech spend, which is an 8% jump from 2022. Okay, Ben, those are some pretty big growth numbers from Gartner and Forrester. And it sounds like organization SaaS and software purchasing habits are just, they're not slowing down. Now, I am guilty. I buy a lot of technology at Zylo, um, but I'm I'm doing it for all the right reasons. I want to I want to impact the business. I want to drive revenue, and I think a lot of leaders would agree they're trying to buy SaaS or software to help the business move forward. But it sounds like even with the best of intentions, these purchases are leading to much bigger business problems. Do, do you agree with that? Totally. I mean, SaaS is unique. It's it's tricky when you think about you know how it's bought and used across organizations. It's Number one is it's just a very powerful tool. Um, it's their applications are purpose built. They're best in class. They solve individual employee problems. Um, it's very easy. Uh, they're often very easy to use, um, and they're also pretty easy to get into place and, and to implement. But you know, as they say, with sort of great power comes great responsibility. Um, and Gartner's SaaS management platform market guide, um, which is a guide they put out about every uh, 12, 12 months or so. Um, they're predicting that by 2027, organizations that don't have centralized visibility and that aren't coordinating the lifecycle of SaaS applications will overspend on SaaS by at least 25%, at least 25%. It's a big, big number. They also predict that within the same time frame, organizations that don't get their arms around this, they're going to be five times more susceptible to a cyber incident. So there's you know, big cost implications um, as well as, as risk that's being introduced into your business. You know, one interesting thing that we are seeing with our own, within our own customer base um, and with their, within their own overall SaaS stacks here at Zylo is that the number of apps that they have and their spend has actually gone down year over year. So when we look at our SaaS management index that we put out every year, numbers have, numbers have gone down. So in, this, uh, in the, the latest uh, index, we're reporting that the average organization has 291 applications in their SaaS portfolio and spends $50 million. And that's a 4% and a 10% decline, respectively. I mean, there's nothing that I love better than customer stats. Uh, so that's fantastic. So this is the first time we've felt a decrease year over year. 10% is not, you know, typically, it's a big number. It's not like it's going down 1.3% or something that that's that's almost negligible. Not only is it going down, but it's going down by a large amount. So why is that happening with Zylo customers and in the macro, you know, kind of considerations? What, what's at play here driving that number down? Yeah, I mean, Corey, it's because they have Zylo, right? It's it's because sure. um, they have a system in place and and they're starting to to do the things that are important to do around SaaS management. So we're we're starting to see our customers, or we're seeing our customers reach a level of maturity when when they're back in control, right? They, they've they've been able to get what they need to, to to get in order to understand what's happening from a SaaS perspective in their environment. Um, you know, it's it's not an overnight thing, though, right? It's a it's it's a um, it takes some time. You can't just snap your fingers and make make that sort of thing happen. 
you know, for, for us, when we think about it, it, it all starts with data. It all starts with visibility. You have to know what you have. And for nearly every single company out there, our discovery engine, the Xylo discovery engine, finds that they have much more SaaS than they even knew about. Like, like way, way more. Like it would, it would shock you. So one, one recent example um, is a, a large financial uh, services firm. Um, they came to us. They, they had a system that they thought was working and gave them visibility to understand what their SaaS landscape looked like. Um, and they told us they had about $100 million in SaaS spend. Came to Xylo. Uh, we dug in, did our job, and turned around and found $300 million in, in spend. That's $200 million that yeah. they didn't have the visibility to or understand that it was even going on in their environment. So you can imagine it's routine. It. Sorry, it's routine. Yeah. And that happens nearly every time. You know, I get the good fortune of working with our customers. Every single customer says, Oh my goodness, I didn't realize we didn't know what we didn't know. So good point. Yeah. I mean, and you know, that particular customer you know, they jumped in and and started to get things under control pretty quickly. And yeah. you know, once you get that level of visibility, that's where really the optimization engine can kick into gear. Um, and I think one thing people don't maybe realize is there is a whole lot of opportunity um, in, to optimize from a SaaS spending and risk perspective. So, um, for instance, in the um, in the SMI this year, we're reporting an increase in the amount of wasted SaaS licenses. Mm -hmm. um, the SMI reports 44% of SaaS user licenses are un, unused or underutilized, meaning they're not being used within a 30-day time frame, and that's up from 40% in the last year's index. Literally, dollars are just being wasted, right? You're buying stuff that's just sitting on the shelf and no one's even using it. Um, I think the other important point here as well is that with a lot of recent job reductions we've seen across a lot of industries, I mean, we're still, I saw a new report today of some new reductions. It's, it's, a, it's almost hitting inboxes daily here. Um, that presents an even bigger opportunity because organizations just don't need as many licenses as they purchased. Yeah, and it, real quick to jump in there, you've got to have visibility into those those employees that are leaving the organization totally. in real time to be able to pull those back, not just from a cost perspective, but certainly from a risk perspective as well. That's a that's a motion that you've got to have ready for whenever those those pullbacks come. And that that forty four percent number, this is one that you and I have talked about, and it's shifted over time. You know. Uh, when we first started Xylo, it seemed like it was almost an unbelievable statistic. We knew, you know, through talking with customers and prospects that that's what they were feeling. But to validate this number and to see the growth, I think probably some of that is from the um, the employee departures. But to see that number go up only means this is a, a bigger issue that we've got to be getting our arms around. Totally. Well, Ben, so you talked a little bit about this, but let's let's back up uh, back up just a second. So pandemic growth at all costs approach. Now we're entering this period of economic uncertainty. Are we approaching a reckoning? Yeah, the great SaaS reckoning, <laughs> right? The, the end as we know it here. No, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I really don't think that's the case at all. I mean, um, companies obviously continue and will continue to need software in the future. I mean, you look at some of the analysts, that's not stopping and not slowing down. Um, but what I do think is that companies that get their arms around SaaS are going to be in a strategic advantage. Uh, one of our customers actually has claimed a full point on their gross margin based on savings achieved by putting Xylo in a SaaS management program in place, a full point on their gross margin. That's, I mean, that has major business impact. The focus going forward is, is going to not be growth at all costs, but really thinking about responsible business growth. I love that. 
Well, Mayor mentioned this earlier as well. Um, and one of our favorite segments or one of our favorite, you know, clips that we love to take from every uh, episode is hearing about customer oh shit moments. So w- those moments that made them quickly or maybe not as quickly uh, realize that SaaS management uh, was an immediate must have. You know, those, are there any eureka moments, oh shit moments, the highlights that you would call out that drove companies to make this rationalization or realization? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton of them, right? Like for for sure, um, and I think you know definitely. I want to just plug the the podcast real quick too. I mean, I think for those folks that listen listen to this Has Me Unfiltered podcast, you've heard a lot of the oh shit moments out there. And if you if you haven't, I would definitely uh, give it a go because some of the you know b- best known, well known brands out there share some of their stories um, that you can learn from. But you know, we we hear everything from um, you know we talked about earlier finding way more software and way more spend, so underestimating what they're spending to the the number of apps they're experiencing to even mm-hmm. experiencing a software audit or something like that. But, you know, I, I think when I, when I think about what are my favorite ones, what are ones that sort of make me chuckle and be like, man, I can't believe that actually happened. Uh, that one's got to come from, uh, from our friends over at Salesforce. Um, their Sam team was, was doing some work and they actually discovered that, uh, they were spending a, a lot of money on a video and photo editing application. Uh, when they dug into it, they found the the primary use case for that tool within their company was to be editing cat pictures and videos like cats, like meow cat. <laughs> I don't know what state of that. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, this, this really was the, the tipping point to, to building a business case for SaaS management for, for Salesforce. Um, the primary goal in doing that was to, I mean, discover everything obviously, and then to implement governance uh, to avoid instances like the cat, the cat instance, um, and obviously to save, save money. So. Yeah, that's the viral moment there for Salesforce. I think it was a point in time that all of a sudden got out of control, highlighted a lot of governance concerns that are very real um, and and a problem that can become out of control very quickly uh, um, and very quickly, meaning within days or weeks. So it's a tough transition out of cat videos. Uh, However, uh, I want to spend some time on kind of the second segment of this conversation, which is really around optimization opportunities. Um, And as Mayor mentioned earlier, growth at all costs has really gone by the wayside. We feel that we see that across our customer base. We hear it in the industry Um, uh, and it's being replaced with a grow smart mentality. And that's really focused on business fundamentals. You know, fundamentals matter. Uh, And it's the, the era of, you know, a lot of folks saying, yeah, this feels like it's rational, whereas growth, 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 and, you know, put a lot of metrics out to the side and only focus on growth becomes something that seems a little bit of a distant kind of crazy thought. So the fallout of those expectations now mixed with that, you know, survival mode of the pandemic is forcing leaders now to have to prioritize, period. Um, and in that wake, we're seeing the area era of responsible business growth. So software is, for many organizations, your second largest OPEX line item underneath headcount and people. And so for most organizations today, it's become that primary area of scrutiny and opportunity. SaaS management is poised as the, the solution to optimize those SaaS investments. So if we wanted to get a baseline, you know, looking at the SMI and the detail around that, Ben, what's the average company SaaS stack or portfolio number of applications and spend look like today? And how's that trending year over year? Yeah, I mean, we, I, t- I mentioned this earlier, but just to reiterate and sort of double click on that point, you know, on average, we're seeing organizations having 291 applications in their SaaS portfolio and spending $50 million a year on SaaS. Um, that of course increases as we look at different segments and, uh, sizes of, of customer 
As you get up into the enterprise, it jumps to more than 600 apps and $224 million in SaaS spend. So I want to reiterate again that this is actually a a decrease from what we've seen previously. Companies not actively managing their SaaS portfolios will find that their apps are rife with low utilization, redundant capabilities across multiple providers. So think like, you know, Zoom and Teams and having all those different systems within a single company, inefficient purchasing, whether that be by employee expense or multiple groups or departments buying the same tools. You know, regardless of what the SMI says, the problem is going to get bigger if you aren't doing something now. In fact, another analyst uh, firm that we, we, we turn to is IDC. Um, and according to IDC, we just hit a tipping point last year with SaaS. Um, SaaS sold more than on-prem software for the first time in 2022. Um, IDC is also saying that by 2026, it's going to make up two-thirds of the software spending. Wow. Um, those numbers are incredible. Uh, Ben, you mentioned an average of 50 million on SaaS spend and that really being at the low end. Gartner's saying that without an SMP, companies are going to be overspending on SaaS by 25%. I mean, with these types of numbers, it seems like huge opportunities lie there for businesses just are, are, are ripe for optimization. Can we get just a little bit more specific for our listeners and what are opportunities that you think organizations have to optimize their SaaS? Yeah, I mean, it, it really, Mary, if you just do the simple math there, um, that's $12.5 million in overspending on average. That's just on average, right? And, you know, that's not chump change for any organization. It's, you know, that's, that could be you know, a significant amount of money. So, you know, how, how does that happen? How do, you, how do you find those optimization opportunities to answer your question? You know, we look at optimization really from two angles, license optimization and then, and then cost savings. So let's break those down a little bit. So for, uh, for licenses, as I, as I mentioned earlier, uh, within the SMI, we're reporting 44% of SaaS licenses are wasted. You know, organizations should really be targeting about a 90 to 95% um, utilization rate for their, their licenses. You know, definitely want to have some buffer in there um, due to, you know, unforeseen business changes or whatever might happen within your organization. Um, you should also be organizations should also be conscious and cautious about signing up to longer term agreements without the ability to adjust their licensing at least annually. Um, this will generally help with cost avoidance, you know, not spending on licenses you don't need and not having to go buy more when you really can just, you know, reallocate licenses that you already own. For the cost saving side, um, two areas that we report on, on the, in the SMI are when you have redundant capabilities delivered by different apps and where you have the same app being bought um, through an enterprise agreement, yet also being expensed by employees. We, we call that multi-channel spend is the, is the tag uh, we put on that. So starting with redundant capabilities, the most common ones that we report on the SMI, number one is online tracking class or online training classes, excuse me. Um, on average, we see about 18 redundant apps uh, for online training classes. So these would be apps like LinkedIn Learning or Coursera or Udemy. Uh, next up would be team collaboration apps. Um, on average, we see 13 team collaboration apps exist inside of um, organizations. Uh, think applications like Confluence and Miro, Slack, and Teams. And then lastly, project management tools. Uh, on average, we're seeing uh, about 12 project management tools uh, in any given customer's um, environment. And that accounts for applications like uh, Airtable or Trello, Asana, or ClickUp. 
Um, for multi-channel spend, uh, we're reporting that on average organizations have 23 apps with multi-channel spend. Again, this happens when a contract is in place and the app has been purchased by the business. Uh, however, employees continue to buy and expense the same application on their own. Um, what companies need to do here is consolidate their purchasing power into those enterprise agreements that they have in place to make sure that they're, uh, one, have to have the visibility and using what they're buying in, in order to have a single enterprise contract. So these are, I mean, these are just a couple of the, of the areas that companies can optimize, Meredith. It's, it's an ongoing process, though. You know, here at Zylo, uh, we say SaaS don't sleep because it really doesn't. It's, it's always changing. It's always evolving. It's always showing up into your environment. Um, so neither should your optimization program. So I want to jump in here, Ben. Those are fantastic insights. And something I always talk to our customers about is how do you make those insights actionable? And a lot of customers will come back and say, boy, I, you know, I'm in the middle of my Salesforce contract and it's not up for another year and a half, or um, you know, I'm in the middle of our workday agreement and the same, the same thing comes up. So you really have to find that point in time to make all of these insights actionable. And that's really highlighting the criticality around SaaS renewals. That's where the rubber meets the road when it comes to optimization across every single application. It's that one big event or that business process where you can take all of these aggregated insights and that's unused licenses, duplicative applications, price benchmarks, infosec requirements, uh, internal finance reviews and needs measured back to your budget. All of this comes together. That's when you're driving the most value is at renewal to be able to realize those cost savings, mitigate the risk and adjust your license needs. So what is the SMI data been telling us about telling us this year about renewals. Yeah. I mean, you know, Corey renewals are, uh, supremely important here. When you think about a SAS management program, they, they, they don't just matter. They are the only time often where you can have the ability to change what you're buying, uh, have some influence over the price that you're paying as well as even just the terms of, of the agreement and how you're working with that particular, uh, supplier. It's, it's a critical part of the life cycle. And it's, it's to your point, it's where cost savings become a reality. So, um, you know, the, the thing about renewals is there's just a lot of them. Uh, you know, you, you reflect back to the average number of apps that exist inside of a, um, an environment. Each of those apps is a renewal. Um, now, they could be on different lengths and things and different terms. So um, we're reporting that on average organizations have 204 renewals a year. So that nets out to being about one per business days, uh, one per business day, excuse me. Um, and many of the optimization opportunities we touched on earlier that, like we said, are going to happen at that renewal time. So mm -hmm. for instance, reducing the number of user licenses, if you overbought, went through a reduction, you need to reduce the time to do that's at renewal, removing add on features or sunsetting apps altogether, uh, that either aren't being used or maybe the capabilities are being delivered by other apps in your portfolio. So outside of just managing so many of these, uh, um, many of these subscriptions just auto renew. So, you know, if you're, if you aren't doing anything and, and, and do nothing about renewals, um, and you're not staying on top of all this, you're either just going to be auto renewed and end up for paying for something and that you're, you're just not using, um, or you're just accepting standard terms and off the rack pricing when you could be negotiating to get more value. And there's, there's a, there's a ton of opportunity there as well. So it, it definitely seems renewals are a critical moment. Corey, you say it's when the rubber meets the road. 
I also think it sounds like it's a golden opportunity to really positively impact the business's bottom line. Mm -hmm. What mistakes are organizations often making when it comes to really managing the renewal process? Yeah, that's another great question, Mayor. Um, You know, outside of just letting things auto renew and, and just keeping things going that you no longer need, there are other factors that can impact not getting the most out of a, out of renewal. So number one is just first, not having the full picture, not having the data that you need to understand what's going on. You have to know what your organization owns. You have to know who owns those applications, who are the application owners in the business. You need to understand what capabilities these applications have. You know, when you think about just hundreds and hundreds of apps, it's, it can become difficult to really even just understand what they do. You need to know when the apps were new and you need to know what usage looks like is just a few examples. Um, and also, you know, you need to start with the fact that you have ma- way more than you think. Again, average is 291. When, when we talk to a lot of, um, you know, initial prospects that don't have a SaaS management program in place, it's, you know, it's, it's tens of apps sometimes. And I'm, I just shake my head. I'm like, oh man, you're in for a fun surprise. <laughs> um, next up, you need to make sure you're giving yourself enough time. Um, you know, even when you get all the data together and you're using a, you're using a SaaS management platform to get full visibility in order to get that renewal done, it still takes some time to get a full understanding and and prepare and collaborate across your teams. Um, we recommend starting the process at least 90 days out. I mean, for, for larger apps, you're going to start, you know, more than that, but for every app, you should be getting things going within 90 days. Um, you need to make sure you're evaluating the business need. You know, we bought this tool for a reason. Is it doing what we thought it would do when we purchased it, or is it doing something different? Um, make sure you understand the pricing, uh, has it changed? Um, and also, you know, when appropriate, make sure you're looking at alternatives in the market. Is this, you know, is this the tool for you or should you be you know, poking your head up to say, is there something else out there that might meet our, our need better now? Um, third, you got to take a data-driven approach. So we talked about getting that full visibility, that that data is crucial. Um, you should absolutely be using application utilization and adoption data to understand, you know, who's using it, how's it being adopted, what features are being used, and user sentiment. You should understand, again, if your users are, are liking using that tool or not, um, as well as price benchmarks. You know, make sure you're getting a good, a good deal. Ask yourself, how many licenses do we really need? Do employees like this tool? Or should we be looking for something else? And am I getting the best possible price? Am I paying too much? Or is this a good price uh, for, for, for the application? And finally, you know, don't renew in a silo. SaaS is, uh, SaaS is definitely a team sport. SaaS management is a team sport. And just like that, renewals also are a team sport. Consult with your end users. Consult with your app owners. Consult with your IT team. Make sure there's alignment on the strategy and approach for that renewal across all the different parts of your business that are engaging with that application. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Ben. The SaaS management is a team sport concept. We've talked about at length here on SaaS Me Unfiltered as well. Really, that draws back to the fact that that software in the last decade has become completely decentralized. The ownership, the management of all of it is owned by everybody across the company at the individual level, at the department and team level, at the company-wide level. So there's a lot of different types of management of these apps. So given that distributed nature, you know, standing up a SaaS management program, it's a blessing and a curse that you can bring that together, but you're still, you know, wrangling, herding the cats around, uh, so to speak, to have our second cat reference uh, on the podcast. <laughs> there we go. But h- how do you, how does a SaaS management program get the value in such a distributed area by, by really implementing a practice or a program? What's that look like? 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, the biggest thing a SaaS management program does is it puts you in the driver's seat. You know, you get full centralized visibility to everything that the business owns, what it does, who owns it, what you're spending, risk associated of the you know, risk profile of that specific publisher, and, of course, how it's being used. So it, it enables companies to be proactive, not yeah. reactive. It allows for them to, to centrally manage a distributed set of data to ensure you're getting the maximum value from every single SaaS subscription. So a great example of a, a customer that's operationalized renewals is Momentive. Um, you know, when, when they started using Zylo, they needed to really first establish, again, the data and the visibility to know what was going on, understand the complete list of applications and suppliers that their organization worked with. Um, they then used sort of the real-time data that's pumping into Zylo to establish policy and process and a category management strategy to create an ongoing uh, motion to, you know, keep, keep the house, keep the house clean. I often say, you know, when you, when you clean out your garage in the springtime, you know, four months later, you go out your garage and it's a mess again. You got to, you got to keep that thing uh, cleaned up and in order for it to, uh, for, for it to stay that way. So Momentum's goal was to eliminate waste and achieve significant savings. And ultimately they did that. They saved over a million dollars in 2022 alone. Yeah, I agree there, Ben. You, you, you have to prioritize it. You have to make it an initiative. Without that, the Wild West, the chaos, the things we hear every day from CIOs and CFOs just continue to mount. So you have to take a stand. You have to implement that program and say SaaS management's a priority because, and only because, we know there is clear value coming out the back end of that program. We know we're stopping risks. And we are bringing one of our most strategic areas of spend and investment in the company all into a central view. So you have to just take that first step to say, yes, we've already validated there's, there's issues we can solve for, and we're going to do it. So I, I like how you put that together. Yeah. Ben, I just want to say that, you know, in a, we talked a lot about the economic uncertainty we're all facing today and, and how SaaS management can positively impact the business. And I mean, what Momentum and, and the team there has achieved with that a million dollars of avoidance and cost savings in 2022, I mean, that is a positive impact to the business. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great job by that team. Gartner, um, Recently stated, I found this stat really, really interesting that companies that don't have a SaaS management platform are going to be five times more likely to be hit by a data breach. And that's something we've we've talked a lot about cost savings today. We haven't really gotten to the, the risk side of things. And so I want to touch there a little bit. Organizations, apparently, they just really need guardrails. We need governance. We talk a lot about that here at Zylo and the freedom of a framework concept. But really just a, a place to create a foundation for ongoing optimization and risk mitigation. You know, without it, this is where, Corey, talk about that uncontrolled chaos um, that many of our customers describe happens. Um, this is a critical area that we see playing out um, really across employee SaaS purchases, or as we all like to lovingly call it, a shadow IT um, a lot of leaders don't believe they have a shadow IT problem, or they say they don't really feel like shadow IT is a bad thing. But Ben, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's tough to put a, a complete blanket statement on on shadow IT. It's you know it's not necessarily a bad thing when you have the visibility to know what's going on. You know, if you if you can see it, you can use it as a source of innovation. Maybe understand, you know, if there's a gap in capabilities that you're uh, that you're not providing, um, but you can also shut it down quickly if there's a risk being introduced to your company. Now, if, if you don't have visibility and you you just don't think it's out there, and your employees are just out buying whatever 
they want and putting employee, employee and customer and company data in unknown places, I would say that's, uh, that's probably a problem, something you should look at. So um, from, our, from our SMI this, uh, this year, we're seeing 15% of employees are expensing SaaS. Um, and that's a, that's a, uh, encompasses about 38.7% of a company's wow. total SaaS spend. So, you know, Mary, you said some people think they don't have it. Um, I, I don't think we've ever had an instance where we haven't found shadow IT or employee led purchasing happening inside of, a, uh, somebody that's onboarded to Zylo. So, you know, every Zylo customer has some amount of shadow IT when they first get started on their SaaS management journey. I think that's a safe statement to, to make. So. That's a powerful statement to make. So why aren't leaders prioritizing the, the risks associated with shadow IT today? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I think it comes back to them thinking they don't have it. You know, um, sure. there, there are many tools out there on the market that will do things like monitor web traffic. And I, I believe that can lead to a false sense of security. Um, you know, there are new SaaS apps always coming in. And those, those tools that are monitoring traffic can't always catch everything. Um, and again, the problem is only only growing as SaaS continues to uh, take over from uh, overtake existing per- perpetual software, um, and it's only you know, going to continue to get more complex as well. So, um, from the SaaS management index again, IT teams now only own 18% of the apps and one third of the spend. I think that's shocking. You know, when you think about 10, 15 years ago, IT teams, the statement I would have made there is IT teams own 100% of the apps and 100% mm-hmm. of the spend. Yep. So, you know, really what IT teams need to do is they need to start getting things in order now before it becomes a real issue for their business. So shadow IT is really, um, shadow IT reduction, I'll say, is just one outcome of governance. Ben, how are organizations approaching their overall governance strategy? Yeah, you know, I think in general, companies and IT organizations, they want to provide their employees with a great, ex- great experience. Um, they want them to be uh, operating and working in the best possible environment to get their work done. And they want, you know, really to enable them to be as productive as possible. So this often means that they have the right tool for the job. They got to make sure they've got the, the right tool to get their job done in the best way possible. Uh, but this, I mean, this can get tricky for, again, for all the reasons that we've talked about already, but you know, you mentioned the freedom within a framework earlier. We definitely recommend that approach for IT, IT teams to make a really uh, sort of a hybrid approach for managing the applications that exist inside of an environment. You're giving your teams the ability to search and get a collection of approved applications, a place to go to see, see, see what apps they can use for their, for their role. Um, and then if they can't find an, a tool or an application that they need that's, that exists within the environment, facilitating a, a streamlined pre, uh, purchasing process. Um, you know, what you really need to do is think about your organization, your culture, your values, and find where you are comfortable living. Are you comfortable living within the spectrum of being locked down and only accessing uh, approved applications? Or, you know, on the other far end would be just, you know, wild, wild west of letting everyone use whatever they, whatever they want. Um, a good customer example around shadow IT is a, is a large pharma company. Um, they really came to us and wanted to get their arms around shadow IT. Um, their SAM team started with visibility and found that they had way, way more SaaS apps being expensed than really what they had originally projected. Um, so what they did is they put a purchasing policy in place for employees around, around software. Uh, they started monitoring that policy, putting a governance program in place to make sure it's being followed. And as a result of that, they've canceled 60 different subscriptions 
that were going against that policy, and they've reduced overall employee expense spend on SaaS applications by nearly 50%. Yeah, makes sense. It's once you identify it, it's not hard to remediate. We had a CIO recently tell us that the result of sprawl uh, to to this person was inefficiency, employee inefficiency, the inability for systems to talk together, work streams to be combined. Uh, you know, we feel it at, at Zylo. If there's ever two solutions that that aren't quite aligned, um, you know, we look at what that standard should be. So identifying shadow IT is 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 the first step. It's not hard to then remediate. And the outcome, at least at a CIO level, can be better employee efficiency across the business. Um, so to kind of close out the overall thought there, why now? Why do organizations uh, need to begin this now? What do they have to lose by not setting up and getting this data and establishing a SaaS management program internally? Yeah, you know, you know, Corey, when we started uh, Zylo back in 2016, like we, you know, we identified this problem. We knew it was a, was a big problem then. Um, and I mean, the problem has only grown significantly since then over the last, you know, six and a half, seven years. And, you know, the problem is here for not just tech forward companies that have mm-hmm. started in the last 10 years. It's here for every organization, organizations that have been around for 100, 200 years. They're having they're having problems with managing software and SaaS as well. So. The problem is here. If you don't think you have it, you you probably do, and it's only growing. Um, it's only a matter of time before um, it's got executive level visibility, and you have your CIO, your CFO, prioritizing it and coming to you, asking you for the list of applications, asking you for what the spend looks like, asking you for a breakdown of capabilities. Um, and so, you know, you need to be ready for that. It's yeah. it's really only a matter of time before that happens. So. This is really, you know, for folks that are that are listening here. I mean, this is your opportunity. This is this is your time to sort of rise up and, and lead the charge, and you know, work to build a business case that's going to meet your your outcomes and um, and make sure that you're doing the, the right things to help you know, help drive your business forward. So, the the other thing that you know, why now? Why is this important? Is that optimization is very possible. This isn't you know, this isn't some pipe dream that you know people think. Oh, this would be great if we could do this sort of thing. But man, how do we do it? It is definitely possible. We have, you know, we have customer stories. I shared some today. There's, there are an abundance of, of what that looks like, what optimization looks like for them. Um, and really just given the, the need to, the time that we're living in right now, um, the need to reduce operating expenses across the board, SaaS should be on the list of things that you're doing yeah. uh, because it's a big opportunity. So, you, but you do actually need to do it though. You know, you, you can't just snap your fingers and save millions of dollars. It's, you know, you have to you think about it and put a program in place and be, um, and be purposeful about it, but it's, it's there. So, and then, you know, finally just reflecting on, you know, some of the analyst stats we shared earlier as well, Gartner's strategic assumptions. This is really the, the cost of inaction. Like what if you, mm-hmm. what if you just say, hey, yeah, I'm not going to do it. It doesn't seem like it, it's going to impact us. I mean, just, just by looking at the fact that it's going to, you're going to be overspending by at least 25% on a, on an area that you're spending a lot of money on already, and that's growing 15 to 20% year over year, um, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of coin. And then uh, just from a risk perspective, you know, Mayor talked about this. We talked about it earlier as well. But just five times more susceptible to a cyber incident. Like, you got to start getting your arms around it, um, yeah. or you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, rise up. I love that. We're inspired by what our customers are doing, and it, and it's it's not complex. It's, it's getting the data and then ahead of each renewal, right-sizing based on the insights that you've got. You know, routinely, customers able to drive seven-figure-plus uh, um, savings just on the savings component is commonplace, and that's for very small organizations. 
Um, so it's, it's, it, there's not a, there's not a secret, uh, to being able to solve it. It's get the data and action quickly. And those companies that do that regularly see optimization that occurs in a programmatic way. That's predictable that they can communicate up the chain that they now can, can be a major part of what many organizations, primary business outcomes are right now. Those business outcomes are save cash, cut OPEX, have fundamentals. And it is very easy to aggregate data together and action on that data in a business process that's already existing in your business. It's just, do you want to prioritize it? And with the ability to drive those savings, it's, it's a no-brainer, certainly internally for us. And that's rising up. I love <laughs> it. Okay. Uh, in every one of our, our episodes, <clears throat> we do a rapid-fire segment. Uh, so I, we're going to throw out, Mary and I will go back and forth, but we'll throw out a few concepts, some fun, some SaaS-related. Uh, and I want to get your take on it. This is your, this could be a one word, it could be a sentence, you know, what you think as, as you hear each of these concepts. Sound good? Awesome. Let's do it, man. All right, let's go. Okay. First one, SAS budgets. Uh, SAS budgets. I would say uh, growing, but with more scrutiny. All right. ROI and value proof. ROI and value proof. Um, that's, I mean, that's, that, that, those are two things that we uh, live and die by here at Zylo. I mean, that's, you know, when you think about a program that helps get costs under control and helps bring visibility, um, ROI is paramount and, you know, making sure that, uh, value is there and you're able to prove out that value to the, or, to your organization, uh, by, by getting an initiative in place is, uh, is super important. Yeah. All of our customers, early people we talk to, they don't even get a, a proposal approved unless the value and the ROI cool. is clearly there. And that's a shift. So sorry to, to, to <laughs> go off on a tangent there, but that's, that's a, a really good point. Okay. Uh, chef Ben, a little thing that most people don't know about, uh, fantastic chef. What's your all time favorite meal to cook for, for you and your wife, you and your family? Uh, what's your favorite thing to cook? Yeah. So chef, so I'm the, I'm the, I'm the chef for the household, the Pippinger household. Uh, I would, I would say I'd be a chef, not at like a Michelin star restaurant. I'd be a chef like at the Sizzler probably. Sizzler's good. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with Sizzler. Sizzler's even still around. I don't know it's still around, but probably. Um, yeah. So I would say you know the, my favorite meals are to make are the ones that my family loves. You know that's the stuff that uh, I don't need like their validation on my cooking, but it doesn't hurt. You know, and yeah. so <laughs> I would say uh, probably my favorites are some sort of pasta. Like I, I love making like a big a big thing of lasagna. I do that a lot for people too. That you know, if you're providing food for somebody, I'll I'll whip up a different type of lasagna. So that's fun. Or my 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 boys have three boys. They love, uh, chicken Alfredo. So I got this Ooh. really easy, but delicious chicken Alfredo recipe. That it's not out of the jar. That's what it would be for it's me. It's not out of the jar. No, Go you, I make a roux, you know, Ben. I don't know how we have worked together over a year and like three or four months. And I never knew this about you. Yeah. Um, but I am, I am very excited to, to learn this. Um, I gotta make you a lasagna now, Mayor. That's right. Two. Two. <laughs> oh, so that would be, <laughs> Corey wants one too. Um, all right, Ben, last rapid fire, uh, number one item on your bucket list. Yeah. I mean, outside of making every company, uh, successful with SaaS management, I think, uh, my number one item, on my bucket list would be, um, again, I've, I've a, a, a great family and I think, you know, taking them on a vacation every year, last year we took them, uh, got my boys up on some skis in Utah and, 
Uh, we're heading out to do some some hiking next week in Tennessee. So I think those, you know, that's that's just like a maybe that's not a bucket list item, but it's just like a consistent thing that I want to make sure that I'm doing for my family on a regular basis. So. Well, I think that's incredible. Thank you, Ben. Uh, it was so awesome having you as our guest today. Thank you again. You're my, sure. my first guest. Corey, I am looking forward to an awesome season three with you. We're going to kill um, it. It's going to be great. <laughs> Did you enjoy the episode? Pass it along to your friends. Subscribe to get notifications for the latest episode. Share your favorite takeaways and join the conversation on social media using hashtag SassMeUnfiltered. Unfiltered.